Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. And uh, the more I've been meditating on this the last couple weeks, the more I feel like it is very much a prophetic uh, statement that God is issuing to us in this moment in, t- in history. I feel like God is, is declaring to the bride, it is time to pursue, to overtake, and to recover all. Some things have gone missing, whether it's um, corporately stuff has gone missing, or in our own hearts, and our own lives, in our dreams, in our ambitions, in what we're expecting from God. Things have gone missing. In what we think is possible, things have gone missing. And so we're coming right back to the, the core of the relationship that we have with the Lord um, and what it is that he says about us. And I came across this quote by uh, Michael Koulianos, who is um, the pastor of Jesus Image in Florida. It's Benny Hinn's son-in-law, if anybody doesn't know. He's a very interesting um, guy who's just all about Jesus and his presence. And, and uh, if you think that sometimes we go long here, their Sunday night service, they sing until they feel that Jesus is done. So some of their evening services are four hours long. So we haven't got quite there yet. So, but the pursuit of his presence is what they're, they're after there. And this quote is what he said. He said, your view of Jesus will frame your relationship with him which will frame the way you build. Your view of Jesus will frame your relationship with him, which will frame the way you build. And it really stuck out to me because there's this uh, thing that's going on, I feel like, in our, in our culture right now, where because we're coming out of such a, a massive global pause and things are rebuilding and they're rebuilding weird, people are rethinking everything. Like rethinking careers, rethinking where they live, rethinking values, rethinking goals. Um, students rethinking, what, what do I even go to college for? What is, what is going to be lasting? What's going to be around, you know, five years from now, ten years from now? What's the point? And if we don't start with the relationship with Jesus and what he has planned for our lives, we will build on the sand. We will build on something that will not stand the test of time. We will adapt to what it is we have to, to shake and move with the sand and with the wind. And if we build on the foundation of Jesus and what he has planned for us, what he says, what he is doing, what he says about our lives, it's a stable foundation. It's something that we can land on, that we can build on, something that is secure. But we will doubt the ability of Jesus to carry that through for us if we don't trust who he is. So it comes back to that very core thing. Your view of Jesus will frame your relationship with him. So what we sang this morning, the things when we sing Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, these, these names of God, who God is, who Jesus intends to be for us, who God the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is meant to be, how we engage with God. If we don't view him correctly, we will underuse the relationship. We will under, under partake because we think that I love God, I serve him, I have an eternal destiny with him, but I'm on my own in this life. And we, we sometimes drift into, gosh, what do I think about this decision? Where do I want to be? What do I want my marriage to look like? What kind of a career do I want? What do I feel like I need to be happy? And it's such a backwards thing because the idea of God as the creator... And last week we talked about 
you know, Psalm 139, where we know that we are each individually, specifically made by God on purpose with a purpose. If we don't go back to him as the good God with the master plan, we will not work the relationship properly and we will not build properly. And I was thinking about this in terms of uh, the Apostle Paul. We've, we've been talking about Acts, and Acts is so interesting because um, God was really clear with Paul when he met, when Jesus met him on the road. And he, he explained to him who he was, what he was called to, and it says specifically that he told him what he was going to suffer. It says um, in Acts 9, 15 to 16, it says, The Lord said to him, he's talking to Ananias who's going to Paul, he says, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. God was really clear with Paul that, you know what, it's not going to be easy, but you are chosen by me. And something in that moment was worth it to Paul. Now imagine if every hardship of your life was laid out in front of you, and the suffering that you were going to face, let's just say even in the last 10 years, if it was laid out in front of you, this is what you're going to walk through. But you get my presence. Would we choose to walk through it? This is what you're going to walk through. This is the hard stuff. This is the struggle. This is the pain. But I'm leading you. I've chosen you. We are going somewhere together. Would we choose it? See, our, our culture has moved into this place where we only like to do things that feel comfortable. We only like to do things that feel joyful. We only like to do things that feel like we're getting something out of it. It's, it's a positive. But sometimes we have to go through the difficult things so that we can get the glory that's on the other side, so that we can actually experience the treasure. So here's one of the things that I think is interesting. Paul, a little bit further down the journey... In Galatians 1, 15 to 16, he says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So he's, he's acknowledging what it is he encountered when Jesus spoke to him on the road. Jesus said, I'm telling him that I've called him, and these are the hard things he's going to go through. Told him the whole picture. Paul says, okay, this is exactly what happened. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. In other words, I've had the revelation that God knows exactly who I am. He has known me from my very first breath. Some of us, if we could get that, if we could, if we could actually in our spirits like lay hold of the fact God has known you every day of your life. And he has chosen you. He's called you. He has loved you. He paid a price for you. Paul has this epiphany. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He has called me to reveal his son not to me, but in me. He has called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Why, if you were laid out in front of you, this is the things you're going to suffer for my namesake. Why would you say yes to that? Unless it was worth it 
to experience Christ in me. That God wants to reveal himself in me. That my life, how I operate, what I choose, where I go, how I build, is a reflection of who he is. The world around me is going to experience Jesus through me. How I live right now matters. How I respond right now matters. What goals I set matters. The dreams that I set matter. The way I react to situations and relationships, it matters because God wants to reveal himself in me. Doesn't that make such a, it's not about, gosh, how do I feel about it? Is this fun for me? Is this pleasant? That's not the point. The point is God sees us he knows us. He separates us from the womb and, and, and says, I know who you are personally. Do you want to know me? And if you want to know me, this is going to be a full exchange. We're going to do life together, but my goal is to operate in you. My, my life now is not my own. I'm hidden in Christ. There's something new that's supposed to happen in my life. And so when we come out of a season like we have in the last several years globally, and we start to ask all the questions like, am I happy? Am I feeling fulfilled with the direction of my life? Am I feeling like, you know, I really enjoy my spouse? Am I feeling like, you know, I, I want to stay? Wrong questions. The question right now is, when I go back and I, I fix myself on the relationship that I have with Jesus, and I know that he is good, I know that God is good, I know that God has a plan for my life, I know that he's designed me for a purpose, and when I can receive the fact that he wants to show himself through me, the question then becomes, what is it you want me to do from here on? It's not what do I feel like, it's what do you have planned? And there is great joy in that. So what, what Paul says is he, was, he recognized that he was separated, that he was called, and that he was set apart to be re the revealing, that Jesus was going to reveal himself in him. So many of us have this thing where we have bumped into obstacles, and when we bump into obstacles, we consider it to be a closed door from God. I remember... I mean, there used to be a string of really lame semi-gospel songs about God closing doors and opening windows. And if you Google, where's the scripture, God closes a door, he opens a window, it doesn't exist. So we have this weird thing that we have this, well, God is, God's closed this door, and, and he's, I'm waiting for him to open another door, and I, I'm just going to follow where it's easy. If we read Acts 14, which last week we did Acts uh, 13, let me just give you the skim over version. Um, so in verse 2 of 14, it says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Verse 5 and 6, And when a violent attempt was made, against both, uh, made by both the Gentiles and the Jews and their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled. Verse 19 and 20, this is, this is Paul's journey as he's been called out. The Jews of Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day they departed with, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21 and 22. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra um, and Iconium and Antioch. 
uh, which had expelled them, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. They go through this situation where they are, weirdly enough, he's stoned in one place. They have been expelled from another city and there's a violent attempt to try and kill them in another place. They continue on following the call of God on their life. And then on the return trip, they stop at all the same towns that those things happened. Isn't that interesting? They stop at all the... In other words, they did not see the hardships as this sign from God that the mission was off. They didn't see that as closed doors. They didn't see obstacles. They didn't see... Paul was stoned and left for dead. He did not see that as a closed door. He did not see that as deep enemy attack that he should be avoiding. He didn't. He just carried on. It's like there's stuff that's going to happen when we're carrying out the will and purposes of God, and we don't question the core destiny. We don't question the core calling. We walk through it with God. Some of us, because of the difficult things, that is all we hang on to. We went through this, and we went through this, and we went through this, and this happened, and this was so hard, and it's been so difficult, and I've had these kind of abuses and these kind of struggles, and it becomes the anthem of our life. What it says when Paul comes back into the place and he's sharing the story, it says that he comes back to tell and testify of the good things that God had done. There had been multiple attempts on their lives. There had been, there had been riots and crowds and stoning. And when they came back, what they reported was the good things that God had done in their lives. What I'm saying is that perspective in this has everything to do with our relationship with Jesus and what we're expecting with him. Are we expecting that if it's God, it's going to be super easy? That's a false gospel. If it's God, it's going to be full of his presence. That's what we're looking for. Where is the presence of God? Is God showing himself in me? I think the fact that they stoned Paul, left him outside of the city for dead, and he got up and went back into the city says something. I mean, they were good at stoning. <laughs> they, they knew what they were doing. They were, they were not doing a faulty job of it. I believe God raised him and said, okay, seriously, you don't get to silence the gospel. And he, he empowered Paul to move forward and carry on. Paul just gets up and keeps going. Some of us, I'm just telling you, there has been a season where things have been stolen away from you, where there has been hardships, there's been difficulties, there's been loss, and I'm aware of many of them. Even in my own life, there's stuff that I know in the last season has been just sucked away, just siphoned away. Some of us have been in survival mode for a very long time. Survival mode is this, literally. This is our church building survival mode. We have emergency lighting so you don't die in here in the dark. That is it. But we don't get to do all the stuff that we want to do. We are on basic minimum, you know, availability, right? Some of us are literally living our lives in that place. We are operating on emergency mode. We've been operating in it for a very long time. The church in Canada has been operating in emergency mode for a very long time. Just handling things, just responding to things, reacting to things, but barely moving forward. Just trying to stay alive. 
God is calling his church to say, honestly, even though it's costly, even though it might be hard at times, he wants to show himself through us. And so we are going to step up and say, yep, even though it's hard, I am all in. Paul got to the point where he was like, to live as Christ, to die as gain, both are good options. I, I, don't, I don't even care. I just want to be with Jesus. I want to live Jesus. I want to operate Jesus. I want to I be in the place where I know him, that I'm in fellowship with him, that I'm experiencing his power and his presence in my life. Some of us, honestly, I believe in this season, God is calling us to let go of some of the, the fluff and puff of life so that we can experience the tangible presence of God in the calling that he's put upon our hearts. We can't, we can't stay in survival mode for an extended period of time and thrive. We can't stay in survival mode for an extended period of time and actually take the ground that he's called us to take. There is something in you that, that can manifest the presence of God. When God moves in your life, it shows forth part of his nature. And, and it's how you're made. Some people in this room are like so compassionate, so merciful, so gracious, so, so kind. And when you're in a difficult situation and the spirit of God is moving on the inside of you and that's what comes out, people look at your life and they're like, why are you like that? And you're like, because I mean, it's not me, it's God. And what they learn is God is kind. God is compassionate. God is gracious. God is merciful. Some of you are getting up time and time and time again, even though the hits keep coming. And people are like, how do you do that? How are you not just quitting? It's not me. It's God in me. It's his strength. What do they learn about God? God is strong. God is powerful. God is mighty. God is not about to be intimidated by the enemy. What, what do they learn about God is what is coming out of us. When you are generous, when you are a giver, when you are, you are pouring your life and your resources into the people and situations around you, what do people learn? That God is good, that he's generous, that he's a giver, not a taker. We are meant to live that, but if we're not in the right perspective, when we're not saying, okay, God wants to show himself through me, then we ask the wrong questions. And we live in survival mode and we live a pseudo kind of joy that really is just a false happiness. So the final thing I want to just cover is this, this concept of the retaking. And I want to I look at um, King David's life because there are times. Now, the retaking that, that happens in King David's story in the story of Ziklag is actual tangible stuff. And um, I, I look at it kind of like through a prophetic lens, I look at it the same as Old Testament, the blood of lambs and goats was offered for the forgiveness of sins. New Testament, the blood of Jesus was offered once and for all. So it's, it happens in um, prayer. It happens in confession. Old Testament, something physical had to die. So in the same way, I believe that there is things that in the Old Testament, tangible taking of cities and whatever, it, in the New Testament, it means that the kingdom of God advances in cities. It doesn't mean we're taking cities. Like, you, we need to understand the language on this, right? It doesn't mean that we're actually overtaking people. It means that God moves in and the atmosphere in a place changes. So in our own lives, when, when David had things stolen from him, he had to go back and get them. I believe in our moment in time, a lot of the things that have been stolen from us are internal. Maybe we've had the 
for sure. But we're not saying like you have to go back and get all your stuff. It's like, where's your heart? Where's your heart with God? Where's your dream? Where's your hope? Where's your expectation? Where's your vision? Where's your passion? Is it something that has been stolen? And so in King David's life, um, we know the story. Again, I mentioned it last week, but King David was not yet King David. He had been anointed as king by God through the prophet Samuel, but nothing had manifested yet. He was just working it out. He had a vision and a dream on the inside because God had placed it there. And then pretty much everything had gone badly since. To the day that it went really, really badly, and while they were out at battle, uh, a group of raiders came and took everything, took their wives, their children, their belongings, their livestock, everything, took it all. And it says in... um, In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So this is the feeling. It's the the thing when it's just like everybody around him felt depleted. Everybody around him had been robbed. Everybody around him had had losses. Everybody around him had had struggles. We could put it into our common terms. Everybody, I mean, pretty much everybody you talk to, you could ask them, in the past five years, have you suffered loss? And I I would guess 90% probably would have a resounding yes. A loss of some kind. So everybody around him is grieved and they're upset and they're like, blame somebody. Let's blame David. But then the follow-up phrase is the big deal. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David did not try and pep talk the crowd. David did not say, you don't understand. You're misaligning things. You're misunderstanding things. It's not my fault. He didn't try and make it better. He didn't try and, you know, solve the situation. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is the same thing that we see Paul do. Paul is going through stonings. If we, as we keep reading through the book of Acts into the New Testament, Paul's shipwrecked, Paul's beaten, Paul's imprisoned, Paul's bitten by a snake. Paul has some seriously bad days. But Paul's pattern we see when he is in prison in the stocks and he chooses to praise the Lord. He strengthens himself in the Lord his God. David did the same thing. Everything's gone. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Some of us, because we've been in survival mode for quite some time, we've forgotten how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. We've forgotten. We're we're looking at if circumstances can be repaired, if we can get our finances back in line, if we can deal with the housing situation, if, if this marriage, if we can just find some solutions, we start with strengthening ourselves in the Lord our God. We go to the source because this was the whole gig that, that um, Paul knew was like, God has called me. He set me apart from my mother's womb. He knows what my life is about. He wants to show himself through me. Every single one of us, I believe this is the declaration of the Lord, even for this summer, is to spend some time strengthening ourselves in the Lord our God. Spend time with him. Go back to the source. Go back, and not not to ask stuff, just to be with him. 
just to worship him, just to minister to him, let him minister to you, just to love him, just to be in the place that your heart begins to beat properly again. Your, your dreams begin to flow again. Your emotions stabilize again. The things that are going on in your life come into right order because you're strengthening yourself in the Lord your God. And after David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, it says then in verse 8, So David inquired of the Lord and said, Should I pursue? He didn't go in to ask God first, What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? He went in to meet with God to just meet with God, to just be in his presence. I don't know who all this is for today, but I am telling you, I can feel it in the spirit that there are many of us that have been living in survival mode for so long. You can go about the actions on the outside. You're maybe back to normal work. You're maybe back to normal functioning, but you're not the same. Nobody else might know it, but you know it on the inside. You know when you're having to put things together to survive. You know when you're having to put things together to, to be civilized in a gathering. You know what you have to put together on the inside to solve problems in, in, in finances, in marriage, in homes, in parenting. You know what's going on. You know when you're hanging on the one last thread. For me personally, uh, just to be honest, I, I stumbled into it. Uh, I didn't realize how much survival I was hanging on to until the fires came. And when, when we all started having our phones go off every two minutes with the evacuation notices, I looked at Wayne and went, I don't think I have it in me for another crisis. Interesting statement come out of nowhere. But I can, I can lead. I can... I can do what we need to do, but a crisis kind of just pokes all the buttons again because we've been in crisis mode for quite some time. It is time to go back and recover. So David encourages himself in the Lord. He takes the time and he just separates and he, he encourages himself in the Lord. And then he asks God, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him and he said, pursue for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Without fail, recover all. And I believe this is the word of the Lord for us today. I believe this is the word of the Lord over his church right now, is as we, we take the time and we encourage ourselves in the Lord and we begin to ask, see, some things are just obstacles that we walk through and we just let it go. Some things are attacks that come against us and we need to do battle. Some things have been stolen and we need to pursue and go get them. Some things, there, there's times when, when God says, you know, the years that the locusts have stolen, I will, I will restore. I will do it. But there are times when we have to pause and go, okay, I need to recover some of the things that have been taken. And so pursuing requires recognizing what's gone missing. Recognize what's gone missing. And I'm not talking about stuff. Hear me on this. I'm talking about passion, purpose, trust. I was talking to somebody the other day who just result of some of the, the conversations that they'd had um, during the last couple of years said, I don't trust anybody but Jesus anymore. 
that's a broken heart. It means that along the way, whatever this last season has been, trust has been broken enough times that the turtling has happened. It's the, am I actually called for more? Will I actually see change? Will there actually be an answer to the things that God said would happen? The things that have been prophesied, that have been spoken over my life, do I believe anymore that they could even happen? Do I trust that God heals? Do I believe in miracles? Do I believe in the hope of eternity on the other side? Do I believe what happens on the other side of death? Do I believe that God is real even? What has been lost? The joy of serving. The, the, the pleasure you would have in your family or your spouse. The delight of waking up each morning and going, God, what do you got planned? Like what's gone missing? Because we, God's people, are meant to be full of the joy of the Lord. He has promised us life and life abundantly, not life perfectly, not life flawlessly, not life without stress, but life abundantly and to the full. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. There's a, a, a flowing that's meant to happen. Ask the Lord to reveal what's gone missing. Ask the Lord to reveal to you some of the stuff he misses. I've told the story before, but I had, years ago, I had, um, after I'd been the worship pastor for like 12 years, and I had taken some time off, and I was in a transition period, and I just sat down, and I'm like, I don't even know how to worship right now. Like, without planning a service, without preparing it, without filtering it for, like, can our team play this? Will the church like this? Whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know how to really engage. And the Lord said to me, I want you to play for me like you used to. And in a moment, it flashed back. You know, I used to sit at the piano and just songs come out of my spirit. Like, I wasn't singing any regular structured songs. I was just worshiping on the fly, just out of my heart, ministering to him. And I would have days where I was just like weeping in the presence of God because his, his presence would just fill that space. But for years, it had shifted to the, the, you know, the work that needed to be done. And so that's an example. For me, it was this, oh man, I got to come back to that place of first love, of first passion, of the original pure worship, because out of that place, everything else was birthed for me. And so it's stuff like that, asking God, like, what, what, what is missing? I've kind of forgotten. I've kind of, I've kind of lost sight of what it used to be, what it is you've done in me. After we recognize that what's gone missing, it's overtake, re-engage. It's deciding to go after those things. See, you can see what's missing, and then you can just stay mourning it. Oh, I used to be like that. I used to love prayer. I used to love worship. I used to love ministering to people. I used to love caring for kids. I used to love serving. We can mourn it, or we can decide to go after it. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, I therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So I remind you to stir it up. 
decide to overtake, decide to overtake. And why God said it was okay to pursue and overtake is because God was with him. God was the one. When we engage, God does the heavy lifting. We just partner with him in it. And then it says, recover all. You will surely, without fail, recover all. So it is pulling back into the place of what it is God has said about you in the first place. The things God has given you in the first place. The dream God placed on your heart in the first place. The passion he's placed there in the first place. The, 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 the um, momentum, the movement that he placed there in the first place. It's recovering all. Now after this place, very quickly, after, after David had recovered all of this, he was actually anointed king. So let me just place this out there from a prophetic perspective. I believe there are things that God wants to unlock over our lives, over us as a church, over the bride in this nation, that will not happen until we decide to come back to the place where we've recovered all. We can't sustain it. We, we cannot contain or sustain the next level if we don't recover what has been lost. This is not a us doing it. It's a God saying, I'm with you. Let's go get it. Let's go get what has been lost. Let's go get what has been taken. Let's restore that first love, that first passion, those early dreams. Let's remember what it is you were created for because there's something of the presence of God that is meant to shine through you. And you are necessary in this. Your life matters. Your family matters. Your marriage matters. Your business matters. Your ministry matters. Sometimes we wait. There's no open doors. There's no open doors. There's no open doors. There are definitely verses that talk about God opening doors that no man can close and closing doors that no man can open. There's also, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sometimes it's a door and we wait for God to open or close. Sometimes it's a gate and we kick it down. There are times and there are things in our lives that I believe God is saying, you know what, the enemy has taken something that doesn't belong to him. Your destiny, your purpose, your dream, the vision for your life, your ability to move and walk in me, doesn't belong to him. It's time for us to go get it. So I'm going to have the worship team come one more time. And we're going to, can we do that first song again? The Jehovah Jireh one? Je Jehovah, Jehovah all the things. And we're going to declare who he is. And we're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord for a couple of minutes. And as we focus on him, surrender ourselves into his leading, into what he says about us, into, into what he says we're called to, who we really are. We're going to offer ourselves into his relationship, into that place where we're engaging him. And my prayer for all of us is in these next weeks and months that the restoration is made complete that we decide to pursue, that we decide to overtake, that we decide to recover all because God's making a way for it. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you today for who you are. 
We thank you from the very beginning before we build or rebuild anything. It starts with who you are and the relationship that we have with you. And so God, today, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you see us. We thank you, Lord, that you understand the loss and the cost. You understand the things that have gone on. You understand the weights and the, the things that each person has gone through. You understand the decisions that are being made right now. The choices that are monumental. And we just invite you into all of that, God. We determine to encourage ourselves in the Lord. First and foremost, God, we, we determine to pursue you. We determine to pursue your presence. We determine to fix our eyes on you. We determine to recognize who you are, what you say, what you declare, God. We choose and we determine to come into your presence, God, and immerse ourselves in the reality of the first and the last, the beginning and the end, God, the almighty God. We immerse ourselves in your presence. Lord, we thank you that as we come into that place, you begin to help us to un unfold in your presence. The things that we've held too tightly, the survival that we've been walking in, God, the place of minimum output that we've had to refer to, God. Lord, we, we choose to unfold in your presence. We thank you that it's safe in your presence. We thank you that our hearts are secure in your presence, that our minds are renewed in your presence. And Lord, as we focus on who you are and you remind us that you want to show yourself strong in us and through us, you want to reveal yourself in us and through us, I thank you, Lord, that it's okay for us then to submit to who you want to be in us and through us. I thank you, Lord, that that means we can hope again. We can dream again. We can trust again. We can forgive again. We can release again. We can invest again. We can sow again. We can serve again. We can live again. Not because we have it in us, but because of who we have in us. Lord, I pray over this house today. Just a deep healing and restoration even this summer. Lord, that you would indeed anoint us to pursue, to overtake, and to without fail recover all. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.